This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Loopcast. I'm Chelsea Damon, and today we are going to be talking about the media world of ISIS And this is based off of a book that came out a couple of months ago, which I highly recommend listeners to look at if they're interested in more in-depth issues about ISIS's media world. And today we have Michael Crona on the show to discuss this, and he is one of the editors of the book, along with Rosemary Pennington. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Michael. Thank you for having me. For our listeners, Michael is a senior lecturer at Melma University in Sweden, and he's also a media scholar who researches ISIS and Salafi jihadist propaganda, so he really, really knows his stuff. We're super excited to have him with us all the way from Sweden. On top of it, we managed to find a good time to record this. (laughs) Why don't we just start off with discussing this really important topic because I'm sure anyone that has followed ISIS or even watched the news in the last couple of years has heard about ISIS and its use of the media in different perspectives. So why don't we just start off with discussing the importance of ISIS's media world? Yeah, so the media world of ISIS, I believe, is one of the, at least during the last five, six, seven years now, uh, that has been on everybody's, um, uh, had everybody's attention, uh, both on a political scale and also in the academic uh, debate. Uh, I think that at least when me and my, my colleagues started the work on this book, it was 2016 or late 2015, um there wasn't a lot of contributions that had been written about the the scope or the magnitude of of the media world of ISIS, but uh, we tried to get into this more holistic approach of understanding it because there are so many dimensions, and I think that's one of the reasons that it's so important to to discuss this topic today, not least when we see uh, other uh, terrorist or extremist organizations from right-wing into more... Uh, ex- uh, extremist Islamist groups uh, using similar models for using the media. So I think they have had a, a huge impact and they continue to have a huge impact, even if the organization of ISIS still is in transformation. I think those are really important points to touch on, is this concept of other groups and extremist groups in particular learning from ISIS, which is something there's a lot of research and debate on on how terror groups learn from each other. So on that topic, why don't we discuss how ISIS mediates terror, so to speak? Yeah, this this has changed over the years. I think it's important to consider that it's been a development. Um, A lot of people in the general public recognize uh, the Islamic State or ISIS as sort of emerging in 2014 all of a sudden when they declare their 
their so-called caliphate. Um, however, the development, not least in terms of their media industry, has decade before that where strategies um, has been developed in order to almost reach a climax in 2014 with the global attention that they started to to get at that time. Um, and I, I think one of the key things that separate um, ISIS from other groups um, is actually this very complex integration of a variety of dimensions, uh, whether it's narratives or if it's visual strategies or uh, what type of platforms they are using. It is this very complex array of key dimensions that uh, comes into play when we talk today about the success or, or whatever we would like to call it of, of ISIS uh, media strategies. I guess to define it for listeners, and, and there's a lot of people that listen to our shows that might come from a completely different research background or just interest in the topic. So why don't we define exactly what you mean by ISIS media? What type of content are we talking about? We are talking about content that has, first of all, a very long history within the jihadi media scene. We have um, ISIS media could be seen as a uh, not extension, but a climax of maybe 20 years of jihadi media uh, strategies and content. Um, and, and what ISIS has managed to do is to take formally used strategies such as videotape beheadings, uh, for instance, in propagandistic uh, purposes, uh, to take that type of content and narrative to intimidate um, adversaries. But they, at the same time, it's about how they manage to communicate and convey an image of their organization or the brand of the organization as something that's very peaceful, something that is very just towards Muslims, etc. So ISIS media is the entire network and infrastructure and content that in some way uh, is related to the Islamic State as, as an organization. What type of products are used to propagate this idea of ISIS in the media world? You mentioned videos, but what other things are seen? Well, again, over the last six years, we have seen uh, propaganda products that are, for instance, monthly magazines uh, that are produced and disseminated online, uh, almost like a cosmopolitan magazine, but with a very different content. Um, we have seen uh, radio news updates that they have still on a daily basis from their radio station. We have seen video uh, videos uh, about anything, basically, that can be related to the Islamic State. And it's not just uh, violence or, or war scenes or whatever. It's also very documentary-like uh, images we have seen over the years describing the caliphate as a very paradise-like place. Uh, and then we have also, and I think that's very important if we compare ISIS media to other groups, that ISIS has managed over the years to combine and collaborate with supporters online, and they also developed 
uh, ideological doctrines about the the significance of uh, having supporters around the world that help to distribute uh, various forms of of propaganda and also to co-produce their own ideological content that goes in line with the organization's framework. So there are a variety of both digital and social media, uh, but they're also using, as I say, more classic mass media forms like radios. They also had newspapers, etc. So it's 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 a large variety and a wide array of of outlets that has been used over the years. How does the group disseminate this propaganda? What type of platforms are used online? What type of other methods are employed? The platforms, uh, primarily during 2013, 2014, at the beginning of this, this uh, sort of the, their state project, they used a lot of open social media platforms like Facebook or Twitter uh, to promote uh, their their agenda and to to spread their message. But uh, uh, companies like like Facebook, Twitter, Google started quite fast to discuss how can we censor this this type of content. So. At least from 2015, ISIS media started to migrate into more encrypted platforms. And their main uh, platform over the years has been Telegram, uh, as many of us know. Um, So Telegram has been used as a main outlet for official propaganda and also for supporters to to collaborate with the the organization and between them themselves. Um, So it has gone from open social media platforms into more closed ones or encrypted ones. Uh, and today we are seeing a, 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 should we say, a ISIS media scene that is actually quite uh, complex in the sense that they have now also expanded into uh, several encrypted platforms, not just Telegram, but they are currently uh, operating on, on around 15 different um, social media applications that in one way or another has the choice of, of encryption for the users. For me, when I'm doing the research, I always like to consider this idea of moving from sort of mainstream available platforms online to the encrypted platforms, which in a way is very helpful for the group for security, but it's also not so group good for the group to spread its ideas and spread its uh, media. What are your thoughts on this? Because I feel like it's, it's positive in one way and then also negative for ISIS in another way because it's so saturated with just supporters of ISIS. So it's hard to gain new recruits. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think we are in a situation where this transformation from open platforms into more encrypted platforms and it has it has created a situation where ISIS and their supporters are relatively isolated in terms of um, consuming uh, messages uh, so they are more today in comparison to before they are more today speaking to those that are already convinced I don't think that they have the same impact today as they had in terms of uh, recruiting new um, new followers or supporters online because it's it's uh, a more limited type of reach. Having said that, there is also a, a, a problematic in the sense that the amount of followers and the amount of channels on 
various applications that help this organization is still very vast. Uh, it's still a lot of supporters who potentially can go from, as we have seen in the past, go from uh, a more... Um, sort of ideological or topical radicalization where you get convinced about an ideology to go from that into a behavioral change where you actually act upon uh, those type of messaging or get inspired to conduct attacks. Um, I think that risk is still very, very high uh, because that or because of the ISIS media, the, the, the propaganda is still very, very strong, is still very, very frequent. And it also is a lot more engaging, in a sense, by uh, when they started to use um, different applications. Because the, the supporters online are much more engaged with the content. They co-produce, they share amongst themselves in a different way in comparison to when ISIS central media organization just um, put out uh, mass products of propaganda to on open social media to just consume it. Now it feels like there has been this ideological incubation online, I would say, uh, where supporters are much more engaged and involved in the actual ideological messaging. And I think that's a potential risk that the technological development has um, contributed to, actually. Uh, and then, of course, it's the matter of, um, of how we as researchers or, or as analysts um, or also security agencies and intelligence services. I think the the work to monitor this group today to to get an understanding of the entire networks. I think that's much more difficult today. I see, and I've been following uh, this group and their supporters for for six years, and much more intensely over the last three years. I would say on a daily basis, it's it takes much more effort today to keep track of. Uh, supporter groups or private chats and forums where these supporters actually operate than it was before when they were on fewer platforms. So I think there are many dimensions uh, in the question you, you pose here that I think is vital to, to discuss. Going back a couple of years when ISIS still had a very strong presence on the ground, especially in Syria and Iraq, and they were still trying to bring individuals to their cause and, and to the caliphate, so to speak. What was the media's influence in, in gaining large numbers of what we like to call foreign fighters? How did the media world of ISIS help this phenomenon? Uh, well, if we talk about how the organization uh, utilized uh, their own media products and their own media strategies, uh, I can get to, for instance, media exposure in mainstream media later on, but their own media, I think it helped them a lot to um, be able to utilize, first of all, platforms that to a large audience around the world are connected to something very positive, something that is connected to intimacy, privacy, and friends, let's say Instagram or Facebook. Those are, um, I mean, that's an interesting psychological aspect uh, in terms of how people that in various degrees were drawn to this organization and the brand and the message that they put out there. When they managed to utilize platforms and applications that in our everyday lives is so common, 
uh, and they infiltrated and started to uh, sort of create a different type of narrative and content in these platforms. I think there is a strong psychological aspect that we should consider that those type of messages in those type of platforms were so effective in the sense that it created a, I don't know, let's call it a bus or something uh, around uh, European countries. And we saw a, a um, t- the targeted audience uh, usually being a, a um, uh, youth, uh, Muslim youth, who in various ways could feel that they didn't belong to the society in the, their home countries. And they, they, I think they, the, the combination of narratives that are very strong and the actual strategies of using certain type of technologies and the way they used it, I think that was one of the key to manage to recruit and inspire so many people to, to, uh, to travel. Plus, of course, there are many other aspects like how ISIS managed to narrate stories that that derived from a political development and they placed it uh, in relation to a religious framework that could appeal to a certain type of, of, of audience as well. And it is this holistic approach that I think is, is very important to understand the key the key factors. But I think one of the main success strategies, if we call it that, was utilizing very, very uh, commonly used platforms with a, uh, a narrative that was very appealing to many people. Knowing what we know now, do you think that potentially the group has the ability to use those narratives and the platforms and what the platforms allow for media dissemination do you think the group has the ability to potentially recruit new individuals again on the ground, even with its loss of territory? I think I think so. I don't see a um, uh, sort of a, a restoration or resurrection of the caliphate as it once was, but I see um, a vision among not least ISIS supporters online that fighting for this this organization, uh, taking up arms, or if it's fighting in, in different way by uh, contributing to, to spreading the ideological message, I think they still see that as highly, highly important. And, I mean, to be honest, to get people to travel to Iraq and Syria, and Syria like they did in 2013, 14, 15, I mean, there's not really a point to do that anymore. So the strategy is not not that, but the strategy has transformed into telling stories that are appealing for people to uh, more uh, exercise an ideological support and to be inspired enough to conduct attacks in their home countries. Uh, So since the narratives and the territorial circumstances has changed, I think their ability to maybe not recruit as many people as they did before, but to keep those that are already inspired, to keep them even more inspired. I think that that's what they are focusing currently. And they have moved uh, from this uh, regional state project, and I, I usually talk that they have moved into a global social movement, and they use tactics like any other basically activist uh, social movements that we see in in democratic uh, societies. So 
I think they have managed to adapt and be very flexible when it comes to the new circumstances and the challenges that they have faced. They have managed to overcome these. Uh, I mean, when they lost their, their caliphate, their, their territorial um, sort of their territory that they held, uh, a lot of people were starting to talk about, not least politicians, to say that ISIS are defeated. But if you if you live in the media world of ISIS, it has been very clear all along that this is not a matter of defeat. This is something that just is seen as another step into a new phase. And I think that new phase is about inspiring on a global uh, global scale people to join this movement. But that joining doesn't have to be physically traveling somewhere. It's just a matter of being there online and support and convey the message. So going back to the actual book, which has really fantastic chapters written by some really great researchers, some of them I do know, so I'm not going to do any personal shout outs, but I do recommend people pick up the book and look at it because it's it has some really in-depth research on different aspects, which we've been talking about so far in the talk. But the book has different sections on media imagery, mediating terror, the narratives as you've touched on as well, Michael. Um, considering all these categories, what media strategies would you say in your mind and from your research have been the most successful for the group? And maybe what might not have been so success- successful as well? Well, considering the the um, sections that you mentioned here, media imagery, mediating terror, narratives of ISIS, uh, of course, I think, uh, also considering what I said earlier, that, that the combination of these uh, is the successful uh, formula for, for ISIS and has been. The fact that they had and still have um, strategies for uh, how to produce photographs or how to edit videos. And they also have strategies for which outlets and which platforms are they using. And they adjust their narratives to new circumstances. And I think the fact that they are combining these in, in such a, uh, let's say, savvy or, or, or um, ambitious way, that is, is uh, one of the key factors to, to their success. I, I don't think there is a specific message or a specific narrative that has been extra successful in terms of recruitment or inspiring. I think it's just an overall understanding that this organization, with the aid of a lot of digital supporters around the world, um, there is this overall understanding of um, the political development. They know who to uh, portray as the main enemy, and they know which arguments to use, and they know how to rationalize those arguments for the targeted audience. And I think that awareness is something that really shines through, not least um, when you look at or try to write a book about the topic, that you really see this uh, constant uh, awareness and emphasis on certain type of of, um, uh, understanding of the political development. So I think that that is one of the key aspects of their success. And then, of course, it's a matter of resources. No other organization has ever been as rich as uh, as ISIS have been over the years. Uh, The revenues they had from various 
sources of income, uh, whether it be ransoms or if it's oil, uh, or it's it's just they had they have had so much money to not least um, use on skillfully designing a certain type of, of uh, propaganda. So awareness and resources, I think, has been the key uh, success, uh, I would say. And you recently just talked on this idea of political developments and how the group utilizes them for their own purposes. What type of examples can we look at to understand this use of political developments and sociocultural aspects? I, th- I think it's it's um, depending when we look at ISIS media. So at the beginning, let's say 2013, 2014, a lot of the propaganda was about the historical development in the Middle East. And they made a lot of references, not only to uh, sort of with a religious emphasis, but mainly with a political um, uh, emphasis on uh, how the Western world and Western nations in various ways <clears throat> divided the Middle East and they drew after the First World War and the Sykes-Picot Agreement, um, that type of historical and political development was utilized a lot and was packaged in a propaganda that became very um, uh, strong and, and very convincing, I would say, to people that were in one way or another inspired by this organization. So that was a, a historical example. And then more into present time, of course, the um, U.S. invasion of Iraq um, in the 21st century has also been used as a reference point for uh, justifying certain type of um, uh, actions and behavior of, of ISIS. So they managed to take historical parts and put it in a present context in a way that has been very convincing. Would you say that ISIS media has helped legitimize the group, especially from the supporters' perspective, but also, on the other hand, from the perspective of individuals in the West and outside of the region that ISIS has a presence, uh, this idea that mainstream media also helps provide somewhat of a legitimization for the group because of its media products? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a complex question. Uh, of course, the the content that comes out of not only ISIS central media but but also from supporters, uh, the main purpose of that is, of course, to legitimize the the organization and, and different type of actions that they take. But I think it's even more interesting when we turn into how many mainstream media outlets have treated and and portrayed this organization. Um, Sometimes when I go and I have public talks about this topic, I bring up examples where mainstream media, um, and and uh, one shouldn't really criticize them because it's not that easy to avoid, but mainstream media has often, especially around attacks, highlighted um, the organization and has provided them with the exposure that they want. Um, and that is is problematic. And that's also a very conscious strategy that goes through the years of 
ISIS uh, sort of media design and media operations that they know how the mainstream media actually works. They know what type of stories or images that gets picked up uh, by the mainstream media. And uh, it, I mean, it's not a surprise to see that a lot of the stories covering ISIS over the years has been um, including photographs of the organization that are basically propaganda products because it was difficult for many uh, media organizations to send photographers and journalists to the region. So instead, in order to uh, put an image into a story, a story, whatever that story might be, uh, it's easy to put uh, a propaganda picture. Um, usually we have seen pictures in the newspaper of ISIS where there are military parades and there are uh, soldiers with with guns and we see the black flag and those type of pictures we, we we take maybe for granted, but they are deliberately sort of put there by this organization just to expose the brand even more. And it has effects on us. It's, it can also make the readers of, of mainstream media believe that this organization is stronger than it actually is. So it is this, I think there is a, we have a long discussion uh, ahead of us about how mainstream media covers terrorist organizations because it in this case in terms of ISIS it has really played into their hands it has played into their strategy of exposing their their brand or getting exposure for their brand sorry so we've talked a lot about different aspects of their media and the changes throughout the history of the group where would you say that ISIS's media world stands now? It stands in a very interesting um, uh, um, sort of. It has an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting time currently because what is happening now is that we have a a legacy or development uh, in the recent six seven years of media propaganda that has been been produced by ISIS and still circulates a lot on various platforms. Um, and this circulation of, of, of uh, content that never goes away because it's, it's digital, uh, that is also still inspiring for uh, a next generation of, of um, uh, ISIS supporters or, or um, any type of um, um, yeah, people who uh, tap into this ideology. So we have that content that we need to um, discuss. How how can we we treat that? And then we have this current development on top of that, where ISIS is still very very strong in the sense that they have a lot of supporters online. They are present on very many platforms. And these platforms are uh, harder to come by or harder to access uh, for people like myself as analysts or researchers, uh, including also intelligence services. So it's harder to keep track of where they are actually going. So my evaluation of the state of the uh, media world of ISIS currently, it has changed in comparison to a few years ago because it's a different type of product, different type of platforms, but it's really, really strong, and it's still, 
highly inspiring in terms of uh, uh, trying to reach their targeted audiences. We still see uh, kids on on uh, school grounds who gather together to watch ISIS videos on their cell phone thinking it's cool. I mean, their ISIS um, uh, strategy to almost popularize uh, terrorism and making it cool, that, that still maintains and that uh, will continue to be maintained, I believe, because the, the, the media universe or the media world of ISIS is, is still really, really potent. It's really strong uh, and I don't see it declining in any way. I can see it change over the years, but I don't really see a, a decline in terms of ideological messaging. You can see a clear decline in, in terms of um, highly sophisticated and uh, uh, videos from the central organization. That doesn't come as often these days as it did before. But uh, there are other types of content that is usually produced by supporters that still has a very strong presence online. So the, the, the media world of ISIS today is different but equally, equally strong. Also, I want to make a disclaimer. Apologies if you got the the cat drama in the background before I ask your the last question. Um, yes, there is cat drama here every now and then. But um, what would you say as a researcher? Because I know there is a lot of debate now and thought looking into researchers that also research extremist media and as a researcher yourself that does look at ISIS content and jihadist content what have been the issues and experiences that you've had looking at this content because it, it it is varied but it has a lot of violence and and unsavory aspects to it so thinking about the world of isis media why don't we discuss that a little bit mm. that is a a um, i think one of our times most most pressing issues because it's not just researchers like myself it's a lot of people and industry uh, sort of the different type of of uh, sectors in society uh, that has individuals that in one way or another have to look at this type of content and consume this content. Me being one of them, I would say that, uh, and this is a very personal uh, experience, it doesn't go for everyone, but when I started in 2014 and started consuming uh, violence in a very, very graphic way, um, it it shocked me, not not immediately, uh, because I, I, I think just like many others, I couldn't really understand that this was reality. But when it struck me, the cruelty and the, the very skillfully designed methods of torture that was being uh, playing up in front of me over and over again, because as a researcher, we, we have to analyze different scenes, and uh, that really made me... Uh, feel that my understanding of the world and understanding of people was affected. Uh, I didn't see much hope or happiness in my life because this really consumed uh, me in a way that I didn't expect. So I had to work with, with uh, conversational therapy in order to have an outlet for what it is that I am working with. It was 
easy for me to understand that those people who were appealed by this or are appealed by this ideology and the way that ISIS, uh, for instance, justify violence, that's propaganda that is very effective. That's really convincing in their way to to argue. So uh, one of the misconceptions I have faced over the years among general public or with friends and families is that ISIS is not just... Um, um, spontaneous uh, violence or to be as graphic as possible it's it's a detailed structure and argumentation and rational view on violence uh, that they, they present so that makes the message very very uh, horrible for people like me who don't see this ideology as, as appealing but also very convincing for those who do so that type of emotional investment in graphic violence uh, I think I did a, a count sometime, or, or I saw a statistics on that they have ISIS media official videos have executed over two thousand people. Which means that me, who has consumed all of this over the years, of course something has happened to to me and my my soul and my inner being because it's not a positive experience. And then you learn strategies to distance yourself, but. There are a lot of things that I can say that I have seen and consumed that will never, ever go away from my brain. And that scares me when, when thinking about it. So that part, I think, is, is interesting. And on top of that comes, of course, the security perspective. Um, as I have talked about now uh, is also that the amount of supporters that are online they are also aware of who is researching them and who is writing about them. And um, the followers you have, the type of messages you get whenever you post something that is critical or, in this case, when, when publishing a book about it, I mean, that's not nice type of messaging. Uh, so it is also something to consider how do we as researchers actually feel about personal security? Uh, because it's not necessarily a pleasant situation one finds oneself in. Uh, and over the years, I, I can say that I've started to get used to it, but it has not been a, a good experience, to be honest. I can completely relate with you on many of your points. Uh, I always like to say, just as we watch them and research what they're doing and the methods they're using, they do the exact same thing with the individuals that are writing about mm. them, researching them, or yeah. journalists. Well, you're a new guest on the Loopcast, and when we have time permitting, we like to give our guests the opportunity to maybe have a final thought that we might not have touched on in the discussion or just a um, encapsulation of how they want to end the show. So I would like to pass that on to you and give you the opportunity to have that. Well, thank you. It's, it's, I think it's a, a conversation um, that we have had in this, this program or two. Um, I think the importance that we have and the challenges that we have uh, in front of us uh, is something that is currently ongoing, and that is to understand uh, ISIS in particular, but many other extremist organizations, uh, maybe in a different way than we have so far. Um, mainstream media, political debates, it's usually very one-dimensional. Uh, it's usually... 
um, statements about an organization, whether if it's after a, a following an attack or if it's just a general discussion, statements from the political side or the mainstream media, that is very one-dimensional. And I think that's one of the dangers uh, that we need to take a step back, reflect on this organization and how they operate, not just from a military point of view, but maybe above all from a media and communication point of view. Um, These are organizations that are so, uh, they have such a strong uh, presence in many people's lives. Um, I think it's easy to believe that uh, ISIS is a Middle Eastern problem and it doesn't concern people in Europe or people in the U.S., but that couldn't be further from the truth, especially not now since they have moved from this or transformed from this regional state project into a movement on a global scale which has supporters all around the world. And this type of um, strategies for conveying their ideology is still very, very um, present and is still being elaborated upon. How can they even more uh, be even more efficient in their messaging? So I think it's important that we take a step back, r- recognize that this organization is far from defeated uh, in contrast to what many politicians on the world stage actually claim. Uh, And instead, they are currently developing new strategies to regain new energy and to use certain uh, political circumstances that is currently happening as a stepping point into a new phase. And I think we need to be prepared for that and discuss these type of issues even more. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and discussing this really important topic with us. And I do recommend individuals to pick up the book and read it because there's so much information in that it's hard to discuss all of it here in a short period of time. But thank you so much for coming on the show, Michael, and spending your evening with us in Sweden. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. It was a pleasure.